Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello. How we doing? Friends and foes, it's episode six of the LaFontaine's podcast. You're joining me in a very late evening, where my full household of key workers are sleeping, resting up for their very important shifts tomorrow. Whereas me, the bum musician slash podcaster, has forgotten to record the intro to the one job I'd given myself today. This week's episode is a very special one indeed. We have our very first guest. International tour manager to the stars, Fraser Yuri. Having toured with the likes of Twin Atlantic, Louis Capaldi, Sigrid, to name a few, Fraz takes time out of his quarantine schedule to take a wee trip down memory lane with three of his old pals. He reads us a story from the book, our book, that LaFontaine solved 12 of life's most common problems. We reminisce about our time touring together, specifically in the now notorious font bus. As ever, we've got a lengthy discussion at the end where we talk about a whole host of stories, get an insight into the type of friendship we have with Fraz, which I suppose spans over the best part of a decade now. It's quite a long one this week, so I'll patch this right here. As ever, stay safe. And look after yourself. Hello, my name is Fraz Yuri, and I, for many years, was the tour manager of the La Fontaines. I think it would be genuinely possible for me to write an entire book myself about my time on the road with the band, but I feel what happened this particular night and what we can learn from it sums up a lot of what the band and our time travelling together was about. A lot of people might already be familiar with the vehicle the band used to travel around in a few years ago. It was a 20 year old Mercedes bus that had been converted by some surfers into a motorhome. There were beds, a kitchen, a kind of lounge and room for storing equipment. It was 
on paper an absolute dream, but unfortunately in practice it was the absolute bane of our lives. Truthfully, we loved and cherished every second we spent in there, despite all the challenges we faced both mechanically, logistically and mentally. The font bus, as we'd named it, was home. A home that cost us about £800 in a dodgy Paisley deal from one of my good mates. He only mentioned at the last minute that a homeless guy had been living in it for the past four months, so it was an absolute bargain. So to set the scene, we were on a UK tour in the cold, harsh winter of 2013, and the nights on the bus were so cold that we would be quite literally falling asleep at the sight of our own breath. And then in the morning we'd wake up freezing, go into a supermarket and forge together some kind of DIY breakfast. Over the last week running up to this fateful evening, we'd noticed a massive yellow spray up one side of the bus. We had everyone come into all sorts of conclusions about what the cause of this might have been, but I think we'd settled on there was some kind of fluid leak. Nothing serious of course, or so we hoped. By this point we all saw ourselves as amateur mechanics, so pulling in conclusions from thin air was just a standard procedure. When the exhaust fell off in the last tour, we'd used Jamie's belt and tied it back on again. So in our eyes, nothing could get in our way. However, concerns grew gradually greater as any time that we hit the brakes, the whole bus would move dramatically from side to side. There was no doubt in our mind that something was wrong, but we lived in the premise at the time that if the bus could get us there in one piece, then the bus would be our method of travel. Any question was an expensive question, and that was just something the band could not afford at the time. It was about halfway through the tour when this evening of mayhem took place. The band were performing in a small town in the southeast coast of England called Southend-on-Sea. And don't get me wrong, I'm pretty sure this was an amazing place during the summer, but what we witnessed on that cold February day was pretty grim to say the least. We had a bit of a wonder about when we arrived and quickly came to the conclusion that this was maybe the Blackpool of Essex. At least the bit we were at anyway. Loads of kind of closed down roller coasters and ice cream shops. But all was well, the LaFontaines were in town ready to rock the masses. I think pre-sales might have been around 17, but nothing was going to dampen the spirits of seven young men from Scotland. We were living the dream as far as we were concerned. It's fairly irrelevant to the story, but the gig itself went pretty well. After selling the merch was done and dusted, we all were having a drink and a laugh with other bands on the tour. It was maybe the first night we'd actually broken the ice, and given one of the bands had some kind of endorsement with Jägermeister, where they received a free bottle every night, spirits were well and truly an all-time high. The shots were flowing round everyone with the font boys not holding back by any means. I'd probably go as far as to say everyone in the band had about five shots each. That was on top of the 12 warm Carlsbergs we were given by the promoter. As time went on, I felt it was a good idea to round everyone up onto the bus and get parked up for the night. We had a gig in Milton Keynes the next day, so in true party-killing fashion, I implemented my duties as a tour manager and called it. It goes without saying that we had lost Jamie entirely by this point. Jamie's got a great ability to disappear after a gig with no phone, money or idea where he's going. But over the years I learned to understand that Jamie will always be there when you need him to, so not to fret on this too much. He'll show up at some point, that's just the way it is. So the legend that is Mr Paul Winton, the man who is responsible for making the LaFontaine sound great every night over the last nearly 10 years, he was taking the harsh task of driving everyone to our destination for the night, which we decided about five minutes prior was a local Asda store nearby. 
He expressed slight concerns about the brakes, as previously mentioned, but he was confident we could do another few days before we should get it looked at. Unfortunately for everyone involved, this was not the case. Kerr isn't only the frontman of the band, Kerr is in fact the in-house bus DJ, especially in this era. His iPhone 4 he had connected up to Daz's guitar amp, and that's what we used every night for listening to tunes at a very loud volume. And this night in particular was no exception. DMX was on regular rotation, so angry levels were very high mixed in amongst this volume. There was beers and joints going and the party had well and truly made its way from the venue to the bus. It was only when we were approaching a red set of traffic lights I heard some distant cries from Paul who was up in the driver's seat. It sounded very concerning, so I went up to see all was well only to find out he was telling me that the brakes had completely failed on the bus. He was basically pressing them frantically to absolutely nothing. And up ahead we were about to enter an active junction where I have no doubt in my mind we would have been in a serious accident. Paul slammed on the hydraulic air brakes that were in the bus as a backup, but that halted the entire bus, throwing the band from one side to another. Dazed and confused, everyone got up to begin the task of working out exactly what the fuck was going on. Now we had six amateur mechanics fully loaded with Jaeger, which was much less than ideal. After a quick Google, we thought we might be out of brake fluid, which was an optimistic conclusion to come to. It was our only hope, so we held on to that and a couple of us hopped in a taxi to a local 24-hour Tesco to try and get some. Back we came with the brake fluid in hand and quite frankly, as predicted by our taxi driver, did absolutely nothing. It made sense at this point for us to head over to a local garage and park up for the night in the hope that we could maybe get it seen to first thing in the morning before heading off to the gig in Milton Keynes. Obviously at this point we had absolutely no brakes, so finding one as close as possible was key. Slowly but surely, with hazards on, we head towards this place which according to the sat-nav was 0.4 miles away. Taking the narrowest streets Essex had ever produced in a 20-year-old bus with no brakes felt like it couldn't get any more dangerous. This was obviously until the brakes actually came off. We couldn't believe our eyes, but the brake discs had snapped off as we drove falling either side of the bus. Huge sharp shards of brake, if that's what you call it, littering the streets of Southend-on-Sea. This was total action movie material, but obviously the worst action movie of all time. Unfortunately our luck had come to an almighty end, as one of the shards of snapped brake disc had managed to fall under a wheel and burst it entirely. We could drive the bus with no brakes, but down a wheel was a stage too far so we had no option but to pull into what we thought was some kind of driveway of a business. It was dark and we couldn't see properly, but unfortunately this was our only hope. We were here for the foreseeable, no questions asked. Shortly after we arrived at our new destination, we had a police car show up alongside the bus. This wasn't great news, as I'm sure the bus would face all kinds of legal problems if the right questions were asked, but thankfully care was at hand to explain everything was completely under control and he handed over two free merch t-shirts and CDs to the coppers. The easiest bribe in police bribing history. We had a good laugh that night thinking about the two police cruising around listening to Rap Boy, keeping the mean streets of Southend on sea safe. The morning came round and thankfully according to Google Maps we had managed to somehow emergency park ourselves just a few yards from a garage. Unfortunately where we had parked was also in the driveway of a small business that fitted kitchens. 
We woke up to the bang of the door to an angry lady who owned the place. Not only was she unable to park her car, but all the spaces for her customers had been taken up by our mighty fucked vessel. The same tactic of dishing out the freebies to her and the work experience lad worked a treat, and before we knew it, they were bringing us in cups of tea and telling us it wasn't a bother at all. Myself and Paul went down to have a word with the garage when they opened at 9am. We quickly realised it was very much a car-only garage, not the kind of place that was used to dealing with 20-year-old Mercedes buses. Thankfully, however, the lads at the place were total legends and took on the job. Jamie showed up at this point and we managed to fill him in in the drama the night before. Likewise, he filled us in on his night, she'd spent in some flat with a few pals he'd made at the gig. The folk at the garage managed to call in some parts that we needed and about 6 hours and 550 quid later, the bus was ready to get back out on the road. We unfortunately missed the show in Milton Keynes that evening, despite all efforts, but we managed to complete the rest of the tour on the bus without fail. The bus managed to last another few months, but after getting some professional advice, it was deemed very much unsafe to be on the road. It also transpired that none of us had the right licence to drive the thing. You need a bus licence to drive a bus. Who knew? There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Very easy, very easy, man, yeah. Must take, must take a while to come from Norway. Uh, he's an hour behind, mind. <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> Is this a, is this how it started now? Ah, yeah, that's how it started. So that's just came off the back of the story there. What was that uh, story called in the book? Uh, I think it was Font Bus South End on Sea. So that's how it just came off the back of that. Now that was Font Bus South End on Sea. If you've got the book, which are uh, still on in, in sale at the moment, if you'd like to buy one of those. And uh, today <laughs> we're joined by a very a very special guest on the cast on the La Fontaine's podcast. What week is this, Daz? Week five, six, six. Episode six. Episode six, and we pulled out a special guest for those those Patreons out there. So <laughs> we've got um, our former tour manager. I suppose he, he technically is. He's never been fired from the role, but he's, he's not done it in three years. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, here's our, our quote-unquote tour manager. This is Fraser Yuri, all the way from Norway. Woohoo! Big summer blowout. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. I'm a I'm a big fan, big fan. I've listened to every episode so far, so it's nothing more than an honour to be on. <laughs> it was uh, it was extremely well read, Fraz. I think you'll have a, a career after lockdown on the old audio book game. Oh well, yeah, I mean, given current climate and how 
little live events are going ahead. Uh, I'm looking for a new job, so if uh, if any audiobook scouts or whatnot, feel free to get in touch. Just to look at the background of Fraz. So, Fraz, we started the band, um, what, 11, 12 years ago? Um, Fraz. How did, how did we meet you, Fraz? How did that come about? Well, it was when I was working in Paisley Student Union and I was working there as just a kind of events guy slash sound engineer. And I think I'd booked the LaFontaine's and Tempercam to come and play a Thursday night or something like that. And uh, that's where I first met you. And yeah. <laughs> you emailed us though. I remember, I remember getting this, e- the, the, this email with your like CV or achievements on it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think, yeah, I think that was when I was trying to. I don't think there was many achievements at that point, but uh, yeah, I think I think I had like yeah, hires on the, the hires. <laughs> <laughs> HND hoping the lads would take me on the road, but yeah, thankfully, and I'm obviously eternally grateful that that ended up happening. Um, uh, I, I remember, um, I remember you going to get his chips. Right, I met. Mean, I was thinking about that earlier because I thought it might come up about how we met or whatever. But yeah, that I remember that day. I kind of came in and you were sat in the dressing room, and I think I was like, "Oh, just let me know if you need anything." And care you went that to me just like straight off the bat. I had, I want some chips. But <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "All oh, right, okay." And I think I went and asked my boss at the time, like, "Oh, here, one of the, the lads from the Lafontaines wants some chips. Can?" We get any money, and he's like, "No, no, you, there was no ride that agreed." So I think I actually went to a chippy around the corner and paid for it with my own money. But I don't think I ever actually told you that. What a guy, man! What a lovely guy. But from that, so from the Paisley Uni thing, I, I also remember you when we filmed Paper Chase, which was our first music video. Um, yeah. Proper music video, anyway. Uh, you just you were the playback guy. Remember, you just you were pressing play all the time so we could do sync, and you spent a full four hours or something sitting behind that bass amp. Yeah, I food. think it was, it was close to eight hours, I think. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 was, that was my first like uh, outing with the LaFontaine's, like out with the out with the student union. But yeah, I think I showed up and I think you essentially just needed a car uh, <laughs> just to drive some stuff about. And then, yeah, I ended up sat behind this amp pressing play for eight hours. And then how did we go from there, man, to, to you coming on a gig or like touring ways or whatever? I think uh, it was maybe only about a month after that you got asked on the Twin Atlantic support tour around the UK. Mm-hmm. And again, I think it was just looking for, you know, I think we did that one in cars. Yeah, we did. Um, we did so I think it was just a case of how many cars can we whip together. Um, were, so you, yeah, we went, were you TMing us at that point or were you just taking? Uh, I think I was maybe just taking. But I don't, I don't know. Ashley was there, I mean, so she's more like the TM. But we were all kind of clubbing together. It was like your, it was essentially your first tour as well. So nobody really knew what to do. Well, I mean, the, the, the old renowned fucking comment from that tour was that we don't know the tour rules. Yeah, oh. yeah. <laughs> so it was Twin Atlantic headline band. Shouts to Twin fucking class. Um, and uh, what was the other band called? The main support. Uh, Fighting with Fire. Fighting with wire, and then there was uh, who who the who's it? We, the guy from there? He, he does his own stuff as well. Like Tom, is he called? No, fuck knows his name. Who cares? Irrelevant. No chance he'll listen to this. Anyway, so uh, 
the the and then and then, and then, and then us and uh, we were we were so young, man. It was our first two of like we don't know, we just assumed that touring was fucking a lot more <laughs> fun than actually guys. We were just gonna have blitz every night, smoking joints all the time, we did our chop and uh, and they complained about us because we didn't know the tour rules, we didn't know how, how it was meant to go down, so we were just yeah. and young. And the etiquette. The etiquette, man. I think it was just because, like, there was seven of us, seven of us around the merch desk that was meant to cheer for both support bands. And I think we were all, as you said, just blitzed and having a laugh, and it was, yeah, I think there was yeah, the direct... Because, to be fair, because we were selling, like, obviously twin main, main band, they'll be selling a ton of merch, all good. But like we were the opening act, and the only way we could get from venue to venue, because we had fucking no money, was selling merch. So we used to like we printed our CDs ourselves. We were on like blank discs, like they rewritable discs, and we would get because I, I did pictures on them, and we would sell them. But we were fucking making a killing because they were original fucking things. And they, I, mean, I, I had to just be sitting in the dressing room, burning them off because we'd, we'd run out of them, and it was like a production line. You'd have to yeah. come up and get them for us and bring like. Ten of them down, and then did sell, and had me to like just sit ripping them for an hour. Uh, Jamie had like twenty seconds to just draw something that was in his head. That, that's so they hated the fact that we were smashed in merch and they were selling fuck all because they were born as fuck. And then, uh, aye, so this what this one feel, feeling it, man. But we got in a lot of trouble in that tour for that. But saying that, we made a lot of friends as well, quite close with a lot of boys. So that was our first tour together, and then from then. Fraz was like a staple part of everything that we'd done. How did the bus come about then? So who gave you the shout for the bus? Why did we want a bus? I think Andy, Andy Dunlop, who's Twin Atlantic's tour manager at the time, he he bought that for them. He like, as in he was gonna rent it to them. And I think they took one look at it and were like, fuck off. <laughs> Cause uh, I think they were like, yeah, we're talking about, we want to actually tour in a proper tour bus. So then Andy just had this thing and yeah, gave us the shout, just kind of wanted it off his, um, off his driveway. Because obviously, as I said, there was like homeless folk jumping into it and having a sleep. So yeah, I think that's how it came about. I remember going to view it the night we bought it. So it was me and Finlay. I was there. Jamie was there. And blown away by it. Couldn't wait to take it home, like a wee pet, Doug. And, uh, drove it and going by the fort in Glasgow it started to make daft noises and we had to pull in and uh, and none of us no fucking anything about cars we're, we're, the, we're the epitome of the folk that go to buy a car and kick the tyres and go ah it's fucking that's it's definitely it's definitely uh, and then mention the colour it. it's fucking good black motor that. it's a good black one yeah <laughs> and uh, we knew none so we pulled into the fort and just I remember just taking the the hub the the we hubcaps off it and like the what do you call the things you put air in? <laughs> I mean, what's that called? Uh, dusty. The dusty things. What are they called? The things you take that. <laughs> look, look at him. I can't even know what they're called. 
the fucking things that you put the air in. <laughs> the tire pressure bits. Valves. The valves. <laughs> the valves. Taking the, the valve caps off and... <laughs> dusties. The dusties, I take the dusties off and try to put the air in it and blowing the air up as if the tires was the problem. Meanwhile, there was smoke coming out the windy. <laughs> <laughs> I mind uh, the first gig we played and it was in Dumfries and driving. I remember it coming back anyway and it was like the... All the smoke was coming in at the back of the bus, but I was just dead happy that we had this. Like, it was just brilliant being in this fucking... Bus? Horrible. Uh, I think we Horrible found smog. I think we found out that smoke was, like, pretty dangerous in the end, because we were, we were coming back from these tours, and, like, I don't know, I'm sure we all collectively felt it, but we felt just, like, dead inside, oh. and it was, like, we thought it was just a hangover, but... I think when we got it properly looked at, there was like a serious carbon monoxide leak. hundred percent. I remember, I remember pulling into the garage and I was putting petrol on it, and a guy across the other pump went, eh, "Boys, there's you need to get that looked at. There's carbon monoxide coming out your your windows and your front door there. He could smell it from that far away." And we were like, "All right, is it? Aye, sorry, mate. Aye, aye, you'll stay, you'll stay, catch." <laughs> and then. <laughs> And then uh, <laughs> just putting DMX back on and driving away with, with, <laughs> with no cares. And then, we, but then suddenly it started to dawn on, dawn on us that every day we would wake up with these splitting headaches and shortness of breath. <laughs> <laughs> I was just getting home and just spewing, like, for no reason. Uh, and I see, think. Fraz, see the two of you were talking about in the story? Yeah. Mind that it was mine when we were off freezing, but uh, we may, mm. like after a month, we got back to Motherwell and then we found out that it's heating. What does a switch do? And then within like five minutes, it roasted. Well, I, I remember that so well. We were, we were, cause we always used to, whoever was driving the bus, without a word of a lie, whoever was driving the bus at the time would always drive it way. Uh, blankets wrapped around them. <laughs> John used to drive it in a sleeping bag. John used to drive it in a sleeping bag. <laughs> a high vis. We'd wear a high vis and, and uh, woolly hats. And we would always drive it like that. And I remember in the back bunk, just coming into Motherwell, shivering, freezing, with all the covers wrapped around us. And then hearing chatter from up front, we want somebody going, where's that switch there? And somebody pressing the switch on, and then like instantly this mad really loud big fan <laughs> going, and the bus got boiling. <laughs> yeah, we used to get Finlay to put the high vis on when he was driving, or whoever was driving wore a high vis, and that was just to kind of, just in case the police seen the bus or whatever, and then uh, saw someone driving it with a high vis, so it must be already getting pulled. Or... That was one thing about it though; it never, we never really got any bother. Like any any serious bother? Invisibility cloak. The invisibility cloak was on. It was so many times that genuinely seemed like a thing. I remember we we drove by on the motorway going down to like Birmingham, a massive big police stop where they were pulling every car in, every single car. And there's a tailback, and we were shitting ourselves because we kind of knew that none of us were legal to drive it, and we knew that it was fucked. I mean, it had this exhaust tied up with the belt, carbon monoxide was happening in it, everything was broken in it, the brakes were starting to go at that time. And I remember the police, like four or five of them, looking at the bus, pulling like pulling up towards them, and you could collectively see they just went, 
too much fucking paperwork on that, boys. <laughs> Basically, the, what the bus done was it saved us getting any hotels. We always had a place to stay and we could pull up the right side, outside the venue. But um, what we usually do is we'd just pull up outside an Asda or a Tesco, get in, get our, our supper at night for our breakfast in the morning, and then for a wash, we would just go to the nearest swimming baths and go for a shower or, or a ride in a flume. And we've done that every day on tour. Remember, that was like you would always source us right good places to go for flumes for us. Yeah, it was because it's that way. Apparently, I think even now, swimming pools they offer like you can go in and have a shower for one pound. And um, that's just something. You could just say that and then we just run and go and Aye, every time you see the receptions looking out and we're all going down the floor and just like that. But, <laughs> but it was class and it was a good way just to start the day. See, uh, what was the story? Was it you and Jamie Fraz? It was in the Sheraton Hotel uh, in Edinburgh. It's not really a bus story, but it's a story involving so, uh, That was the night the Young Scott Awards. And what happened? Uh, well... I mean, that night in general was hilarious because that was the Russell Crowe night as well, like a, a side story. Oh, I would tweet, we tweet it. Russell Crowe saying he was presenting a Young Scott Award. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he tweeted back saying, I'm not what you think I am, but I've, been, I've just watched this and it was king. <laughs> I was, that was like headline in the sun, just like uh, Russell Crowe announces he's a fan of Motherwell rap. Big thing, yeah. Mate, Big, big Paul when he started driving the bus taking it down the, the narrow streets in fucking London Aye, that one that one in Oxford was crazy I remember because Oxford. the streets in Oxford are just so tight it was literally just like either side of the bus was like a centimetre I'm pretty sure we were just hitting, hitting wing mirrors and stuff as well it was like one of the it was like a bowling alley yeah <laughs> and people used to have to go like two people would have to go either side and try and direct them uh, it's making me sound. It's making me feel anxious to think. Remembering that busking down the street and like being on tens, <laughs> thinking, "Oh, I know." You, you were like outside the door, Jamie, just been like, "Aye, aye we're good." <laughs> but Paul had the Paul had the worst deal. Paul, who drove it a lot of the time, um, just because of his bed situation. Like he was the last person on the bus, so he got the last choice of bed. I has had his bed with like the two seats, and then this, it was it took about five minutes to like make it. And then yeah, yeah. Like, mind you, but you decided to bring like a garden pot for the change onto a rookie. Jamie, Aye. oh, that was I didn't have a bank account at the time, so that was my money. Aye, but then every night, Paul's having to move this like flower pot with about ninety quid and ten peas. <laughs> And then everyone just started storing other stuff in it. There'd just be fags in it and like keys and shit. <laughs> but then I was I felt so felt so bad for him because it was just like he just had to spend fifteen minutes getting his bed. I know it was a shame. Well, we all, we all I remember my bed. My bed, <laughs> my bed was the was the the kitchen hob. Um, <laughs> I, I slept in the kitchen hob slash sink, and the way I would you sleep. Yeah, the pillows for your feet. <laughs> the, the way I would like. The way I would cover, the, the, like <laughs> cover the hob and sink with I'd put two big cushions in, but only one of them would balance right. So I had to, to, to get the other one on. I'd have to like half balance it, mass <laughs> and half grab the other one with my legs and sleep like that for fucking eight hours. <laughs> 
Do you remember there, there was a mirror next to you as well where somebody? <laughs> fucking horrific, man. Because it was above the sink. He <laughs> <laughs> was, was like a mirror's a mental thing. But then there was the bed. There was the bed way up the back. That, like, uh, because, because um, the condensation. <laughs> It would kind of get dead stuffy and, and, all, and it would go all wet as well. And uh, if you slept up there, <laughs> if you slept up there, all the joints that were getting smoked and all that, it would hotbox that wee bed. So, like, John, when they be smoking joints or whatever, and then it would have to go with the bus and spew or whatever. His bed as well also just had that like window. Remember the massive party we had after the, uh, after the Edinburgh gig? Edinburgh, yeah. We, we parked it right in the main street. Yeah, yeah. It was right, right outside uh, the train to Waverley. Uh, in Waverley at 7 in the morning, we're still fucking going to talk to it. I mean, like, sitting, sitting in the driver's seat with that panda balaclava on. And there's only broken since going to work. <laughs> <laughs> DMX in the background. <laughs> I was looking through old pictures from the bus and uh, I found that one of just the little thing that got on fire. Oh, that's oh, right. Was it the ba- the, ba- the, le- the leisure button? I remember we just we just arrived in New York mm-hmm. and uh, we could all just start smelling smoke, just like what, what's, what's on fire type thing. And I think Paul was literally just like, I can feel heat from somewhere. <laughs> we pulled over and literally popped the seat open and under the seat where the batteries were kept was just a fire. The bus had them um, underneath the driver's bit of like the, the the floor was rusted and you could see like the ground. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I made Wally saying that the bus is made out of wheat a bit. <laughs> <laughs> But I remember we, we literally put that fire out because obviously we bought PlayStations and LED lights and all that. We hadn't bought a fire extinguisher. So I, we, I just remember like four of us putting this fire out like it was a birthday cake, just blowing it. <laughs> <laughs> and it worked, but yeah. We didn't have our priorities at the time. But the actual night and the story you're talking about, I, I remember, I don't know if I remember it different, because obviously we were all blitzed, so we were all drinking Jaeger and had a party in the bus, and Paul's up the front with his blankets wrapped on him, driving this bus in pitch black uh, on one of the kind of, like, like Joe Carriageway type roads, but like it's the bit of Joe Carriageway where they don't put any light, so it's just darkness. And I remember him shouting you up, and you sitting up there with him, like trying to kind of, you're obviously talking about what's going on, and you've not really told us the information yet. So you just yeah. up there looking concerned and kind of drunk haze. I kind of like mind looking up and like, what's happening up there? And then you know, taking a saunter up and it's just us, like, the, the way, have you ever seen that uh, film, The Perfect Storm with George Clooney? It's like the big massive waves that goes around this ship up and then it's about to go right down. And the yeah. bus is like about to go down a big hill and always going, my, the fucking brakes don't work, man. And we were talking about like, <laughs> just, just try to put the air brakes on and slide, and the handbrake on and slide it into the barrier, remember? Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, that's that song's like the tip of the iceberg of the kind of stories with the bus, but 
Yeah, I think that in terms of like a long story about it. What, that, what, what about the what's that festival at the did the rabbit hole? The first time we got Paul. When you get Paul's podcast, by the way. Yeah, he's next. Um, uh, what was it happened again there with the we were leaving? <laughs> we were tra- <laughs> we were tra- <laughs> we took out all the power of the folks to full fast. We tried to turn we we tried to turn the bus and we, and we drove all the power cables which parked yeah. on stage. And uh, no, but then, then drumming like through the audience. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's like optimal, optimal we're DJing and everyone had to move out the way when we'd done like a, a 12 point turn. Yeah. And then uh, then right after we'd done the turn we like I just remember driving then all of a sudden it was like boom and I look up and we just <laughs> a tower in a tree or something. Fine, so, did, yeah. some, did some mad wit guy not get in and try and move the bus because no one could we got it stuck because we were doing like a 12 point turn and some blitz guy who was like I'm a, I'm actual driver or something yeah. a street punk I, I, a street punk driver came on and he was like I could turn this we were all like I think, I think for as well this was going okay. with you know trying to get a fee of like 40 quid or something uh, <laughs> the, woman, the woman that pays the fee was having like a mental break then. I remember they were like kept telling me I should be back soon and then we're the extra, extra like three hours trying to get this 40 quid. Trying to get this 40 quid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, don't think, I don't think he's been asked back to, to the rabbit hole. No, no. Maybe, maybe one day. Oh, it's amazing, man. There's so many good times on that bus. So many. Um, Faz, remember the time in uh, Liverpool where I, I tried to poke you off? I, I do. I wasn't sure if this would be like a PC uh, or a like a PG lock, but yeah, I mean, the bed, the, the bed that I, I, I think I missed the the bed choosing part as well. So me and Jamie ended up having to share a bed, which was a single bed. And I think you came in after a pretty mental night. And I don't know. I think you were maybe having some dreams that you were with your girlfriend at the time, because I could feel some hands. <laughs> <laughs> But it was all good, I think I just had to shake him, but like, Jamie, I'm not your bird, I'm Fraz, we're in Liverpool, well, we're on the bird. And you were trying to poke him Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was trying to poke him off, aye. <laughs> good times. I remember at one point, I think, well, definitely me and I think you, we definitely had to go off it to, to Whitey. Um, and then Vanessa, <laughs> I remember, I rem- and that's the... I've never been as, apart from the night we had a Christmas night out before when we when we rented the flat. Oh, remember? Remember being in and uh, I locked the toilet in that uh, flat and took all my clothes off and was just spewing, uh, lying in the flares, spewing in a circle, with Team America, because I drank a full bottle of honey jack or whatever and I couldn't couldn't hack it. <laughs> yeah, it was that long. You were just you were buckled when you were spewing as well, but. <laughs> You could have done anything else, but you'd just been sick and killing yourself laughing for ages. <laughs> uh, I think that same Inverness trip was maybe because none of the dials worked on the bus. Like none of the speedometer or fuel or anything. There was like no way of us knowing how much how much diesel it had in it. The, sp- the speedometer and fuel didn't work? <laughs> uh, none of it did. Like, none of it did. <laughs> Then they locked, 
remember we had these, <laughs> this never worked. I remember we always used to just when we were goodbye speed cams just go really, really slow. <laughs> Mind also, it didn't have any windy wipes. <laughs> <laughs> I had to die for Dundee. Yeah, just the corner of the Dundee friends and wipe them in. Finally, was driving just so angry. Like, he hated the bus so much. Make the money, don't make the money, make you. The, the the lowest moments of the font bus, but even in those low moments, there were some fucking good times. But Fry's had been from the very start to the point where we started to do bigger and better things. And I think probably, I mean, main stage at Teen the Park was quite a big one for us. Yeah, I think that was one of the one of the kind of key moments. I think where we, you know, just had one of those days where we're kind of sitting around. Look at each other, been like, "This is mental. This is like actually happening. <laughs> like we're getting allowed, allowed to be here, type thing." Like we could, have, we could do that. We could have done that at that point in our sleep, sort of thing. But just, just in terms of how uh, unprepared the band was in terms of production-wise. If you ever yeah. go La Fontaine's main, main stage, Tina Park, and you look at the banner we brought off his on the main stage, it looks like somebody's holding up a wee flag. I remember like we, it's always dead funny when we go to play like bigger stages or like main stages at things or, or like big festivals because we travel pretty fucking especially now there's only three is but we travel super light like tech guys are loading their stuff and they always look around like where's the, where's the rest of it boys I, re- I remember that I remember we, we showed up to team, the main stage at Team the Park that time just in like I think it was just with a transit van in Paul's car. <laughs> like, <laughs> with, uh, next to all these huge glories and I think like Avicii and Libertines and all that were playing later on. So I the kind of skate guys just were laughing, just taking in these like drums with no cases and whatever. But it was it was such a class day. I would say though my favourite so there was that and there was I'm trying to keep the phrase this time we had with ABC, RIP ABC in Glasgow. That was like a that was a first thousand cap jump up in terms of crowd. Remember that gig in particular? Like we'd roped in a confetti cannon from somewhere. And I remember like two days before the gig, the uh, promoter being like, You need this like uh, certificate to hire a technics handler type thing. And I remember the next day saying to you, like, oh, we, we, can't, uh, we can't use the confetti canning because I've not got the certificate. And I think, yeah, you just sent me back. Just, uh, <laughs> I think you just Googled it. You were like, pyrotechnic certificate 2014 or whatever. You know, like, just put your name on that. <laughs> and I think uh, uh, we ended up using it. Jerry Cinnamon was supporting us. Uh, the Covey and Jerry that night. What a lineup. Where is, yeah. he, where is he now, eh? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'd say probably our biggest achievement with Fraz, certainly my favourite gig, 
would have been the first time we headlined the Barris. Yeah. I, uh, 2015? 2015, yeah. 2015, I think. 2015, By far one of my favourite gigs of all time. Just yeah. to fucking pack that many people into that room that was... Meant loads to us with all that part, and and also the production we had that time as well. We had the big screen, screen mashed it, man. Like again, in typical La Fontaine's, like so, getting a screen in cost mega bucks. So we fucking managed to rope one in on the on the sly, on the cheap. But it was like an old one that Tom Jones used to use. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the night prior to the show, I remember driving away and it fucking. Uh, Presswick at like half seven and then being there till three in the morning trying to get this fucking thing to work and I had get all these visuals made for it they would go with all the song it was all time code and beat match and all that fucking part because we played click we can do that and uh, just been there at half three been, and that is me and you were meant to be DJing well no well I did DJ <laughs> that's right so, sorry Daz and I meant to be DJing at you too, for you too. Are you two, you too, eh? gig, and I phoned Daz, and I'm like, I can't even, I can't even make it. I'm fucking in this warehouse in Presswick, freezing, trying to fucking get a screen mm-hmm. one, and you've been like, all right, well, it'd be good if you could come because the woman's not very nice to me. Here. <laughs> <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> I had, I had the DJ it was before you, you two were playing at the Hydro, and if you paid some VIP ticket, you get a meal in the SCCC, and you get me DJing. <laughs> While you, while you ate your meal. <laughs> and I thought like, oh, like, no one will want to hear you two before they go and see you two, obviously, that's, that's mental. And then, like, I hope you've, I hope, I hope you've got, I hope you've got loads of you two. <laughs> and I showed up and they're like, uh, you're not playing enough you two. And I'm like, all right, okay. <laughs> like, can, can, they're going to see you two, surely. Don't worry, you two, apparently. And then I had to make every second song you two, and then that wasn't enough, and then I had to just play you two for two hours or something. <laughs> well, well, what's that, mate? Over all the courses. Over all the courses, like a five course Neil's fucking suit. It was really weird. But, um, I think I think one of my favourite gigs we've done probably was that one in the <coughs> bar for What one, mate? The the one we did in the class there in uh, London Barfly. Is that what you're trying to keep up the off the stage? Is that the guy that said that you hate fun for us? Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> should, I could fill people in on what actually happens. I go, right, go for it. So as I remember it, so Camden Barfly, we venue, only maybe a couple hundred cap or whatever. I mean, West. Is it two, 230 cap or something? Yeah, it's about 200. But I think this was the first time you had played out of Scotland and there's yeah. actually... People show up in numbers type thing. So it was it was class, but I remember it was just like because at your gigs there's quite often stage invasions, especially when there's no barrier or whatever. But that particular night there was just this one guy like hopped on in like the second song, and he was like dancing about. And then I think I went on and was like, right, mate, come on, like help me now. And he went off, and then another like next song he's up again and. Put him back, and then I think it was like the fourth time he'd been on stage, and I just went up to him and again just to kind of like not push him off, but just be like, right, come on. But I just noticed he was like planking himself, like he was not moving. He was like a statue, 
And uh, yeah, I mean, there was a video that was going to put on Facebook of it, but it was basically just me and this guy. Almost looked like we were kind of ballroom dancing as I was trying to like push him off stage, but he was like 10 times stronger than me. And I think it was like, I remember Daz, you laughing so much, just being like, absolutely hilarious. <laughs>。あ、いや、あんけ。いや、いや、いや、いや、いや、いや、いや、いや、いや、いや、いや、いや、いや、いや、いや、いや、いや、いや、いや、いや、いや、いや、いや、いや、いや、いや、いや、いや
Oh, right, aye, aye. Was it, uh, was it in Sheffield? Uh, Scunthorpe. <laughs> <laughs> why, did you, why did you crack him? I think I was dancing to, uh, what was it, um, California Loving? <laughs> Two-pack? No. I think I was jumping a bit and... It was either that or one biscuit or something like in motion. I don't know. I remember seeing him the next day and he had a black eye. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a, it's been a while without you though, Fraz, mate. We've missed you. I know it's been a good couple of years since I've joined on something, but hopefully so the, the big the podcast fans will want to know: Will you will you ever be back touring with the La Fontaines? Do you think? Of course, of course. I mean, I've just stopped being asked these days, but hopefully. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully something comes about. Behind the disguise is nothing at all. Do you feel like you've been losing control? There's nowhere to hide when you're on your own. Can't you see that you've got nothing to show? Daz, have you, have you got any questions from the Patreon we can answer there? Stefan Connor asks, favourite venue ever? Also, what is the best scran in Wishaw, Jamie? Uh, we'll you answer both. The best scran in Wishaw, I just got a... I just got a sort of chicken goujon supper for the chippy. I've not had chip, chips in a while, but it was for Tony's. Uh, is to- Tony's the one with the famous video? Well, Aye, for the price of bags. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a chicken goujon and supper and mozzarella dippers, uh, which I felt guilty about, but I enjoyed it. But a very good day, very honour of watermelon. <laughs> uh, nice. And what was the first bit? Best venue? Uh, favourite venue ever? Favourite venue. Um, there's the Molotov and Hamburg on the Reaper band comes to mind, and... Milkweg in Amsterdam, it's another good one. And Albert Hall in Manchester. There's loads of good venues, but uh, they're, they're the first three that come to mind, the Barrowlands. What are your favourite, uh, not favourite, what are your three worst venues? Oh, good uh, question. <clears throat> what was the one we done in the Hull? There's like... Uh, the Adelphi. The Adelphi and Hull. There's one in Doncaster, that's crap. Hey, let's, 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 let's let Fraz pick his, his last one because <clears throat> Fraz has done some series international tour. No, I mean, the three worst venues in the world. Yeah. Let's give them a shout out, Fraz. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking of that tour with the, the bus story because that we must have done it then. Maybe that one in Sheerness. That wasn't the, right. the, the Ivy. Oh, hands down, by the way, and it's annoying because they'll probably be listening to it because they're, they're fucking sound and they, they like us a lot, but the Think Tank in Newcastle, the one where all the flies live. Yeah. The other, the other venue in Newcastle is amazing, though, the Clooney. The Clooney's great, but the, the Think Tank, it, it's, it's as if they, they try to catch flies and then just let them in to the venue. It's fucking hilarious. At all, at all times of the year. Every, every time of the year, there's just always fucking flies in it. Yeah. Some of the early gigs, you were definitely playing to more flies than people. By <laughs> <laughs> a large percentage. <laughs> what's, what's the ticket sales of the flies tonight, like, boys? 
Do that, do those. Quite the flyers. What's been the quiet? There's, there's a big fly up. <laughs> <laughs> He's getting it. Yeah, boys, I hope you put flyers out for this gig. What are you saying? What's been the wet, Jamie? Uh, two minutes, scratch, we're back. What's, what's been the, the quietest gig that we've done, Jack? Paris. No, no, in terms of decibels, uh, talk about like the. <laughs> there was that one in Birmingham where there was literally two people. You remember when you were dancing with them, okay? What? You were, you were like dancing with them. But the guy was absolutely loving it. It was like his private gig. Aye, man, we, we always fucking. We also, if there's ever like maybe there, we play our skin. <laughs> remember that one we played in Liverpool? There was six cunts there and we, played, mm-hmm. we still state it as one of the best shows we've ever done. What was oh, that shipping no. forecast? Shipping mm-hmm. forecast in Liverpool, aye. That's yeah. a good venue. Yeah? That's a good venue. Shipping forecast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good pub as well. What have been your highlights of lockdown? Asked Thomas McMahon. The highlights of lockdown for me personally is this. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking, yeah. to, talking to the troops on, on the podcast. Because it's a laugh, because we're all separated, obviously. Daz is in... Glasgow, Jamie's in Wisha, I'm in London now, Fraz is in Norway, it's a pretty fucking international podcast by the way. Uh, <laughs> so getting to speak to your mates and get a laugh and listen back to some of these stories is a highlight, so thank you for keeping us going doing this. What about you, my highlight, my highlight's been the weather. Aye, enjoying it in the house. Aye. Nah, uh, I'm quite um, enjoying a big river that's next to my bit, <clears throat> the Calder and the Clyde, two rivers. Yeah, and then just going out for walks and runs about there. Hopefully um, only one a day though. Only one a day. <laughs> How were you, Fraz? Were you in Norway? Woohoo! Big summer blowout! Yeah, I mean, it's it's not as strictly locked down here as such. Oh, I went to difference over there. What's happening there? It's like... Stuff is kind of gradually starting to open again, and there's not really a restriction as such to how many times you can go out or whatever. Right. But it's a much smaller country, so it's a bit easier. I think they've got a bit more under control. What about you, Dad? Uh, probably this, man. It's good to have some to look forward to, and, like structure your week around right. working, working on the podcast and the music and stuff. I'm enjoying the music, mate. Let us know in the comments if you're enjoying Daz's music remixes. Please turn the music off. <laughs> <laughs> right, last question from the Patreon. Uh, Yasmin McAvoy asks, has quarantine made you miss touring or is it refreshing to stay at home? Um, you were saying, Jamie, that you like having a routine. I have, I've not been getting up at the same time ever since probably being at school. So, But for whatever reason, I'm getting up at about half six, seven every day. I'm quite enjoying uh, getting up in the morning, going for a run, and then doing shit in the garden. Shitting in your garden? <laughs> no, I do shit in the garden. Doing in your garden? Yesterday, yesterday I walked to New Lanark. <laughs> what? But, How long did that take you? Uh, so there and back was a marathon. It was 42 kilometres. Fucking hell. Took us about eight hours. 
Good, good news of your one walk a day there, mate. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, so I thought if I'm only out once, I'm going out for the full day. <laughs> Class, well, listen, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, to speak to your old friend Fraz again. Fraz, can you sign off from the podcast um, in Norwegian? In Norwegian. Please. Yeah. yeah, I mean, my Norwegian's not incredible, but I could probably... No, no, no one will know anyway, you could see in. <laughs> you might have some Norwegian fans tuning in. Woohoo! Big summer blowout! Hada Elisamen, yeah, I hope I do ha and thin quell mellows. Sis, snap. Hada. I've not stopped smiling all night, that's been great. I know, same man, it's, it was lovely to talk to you. Mate. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.